A couple of months ago, I had the pleasure of interviewing the author and activist Jenna Arnold. In that conversation, as well as her book, Raising Our Hands, she calls on white women to do their part in the fight against racism and inequality. We spoke again last week, and as we head toward the election, we discussed what it means to be a real leader, as well as what she thinks Trump believes. Join us in this important conversation. Jenna Arnold, thank you so much for joining me again. You're welcome. My pleasure. It's great to see you. And the last time we spoke, which was over the summer, we chatted about your book, which is fantastic, called Within Our Hands. And now here we are, 20 days out until the election, um, which has already started, of course. I'm curious to know what you think Trump believes. I think what Trump knows, and I will answer your question, but I think he has a deep knowing that all of the things that he believes the world promised him is probably false and inaccurate, meaning that the American narrative are cowboys films from when he was like all of the shows that I can't list that he watched when he was a kid all told him he should know what to do. And what he knows is he kind of sort of doesn't, right? Because none of us really do. This is my whole thing about like whenever I do any surrogacy work for Biden and Harris is that it's like, I don't think they're pretending to be experts. I think they're really good at finding the experts who are actually experts to help make the decisions. Like that's what I want in a leader. I don't need a leader to be able to answer all of my difficult questions. Mm -hmm. Um, What I think he knows is that his intellect and what he's told his intellect should be are not lining up and that's causing the fury inside of him. And he's going back and forth. Rarely is he hanging out in the humility department, but, you know, there was a part of me that was like, when I watched him board Marine One to go to Walter Reed, like I saw a very scared boy. Mm. Understandably, I have COVID every day at 4 p.m. and I'm always scared for like five, 10 minutes, right? Like I stub my toe and I'm like, I can't breathe. I need to be intubated. You know, like it's scary. Um, so what I know he knows is that he doesn't actually know. And he's scared someone's going to see that. And so therefore, what he has to believe is that if he pushes harder, if he brings more people down, if he demonstrates even more of a superhero complex, that people will come with him. So what he believes is that if he uses more Oomph, more muscle, more misogyny, more power, more lies, it will work. But what he knows is he actually doesn't. Mm, Great answer. You know, through all these lies and, you know, people are exhausted, right? I mean, we're all politically and with the pandemic, it's like, overload. Mm-hmm. I mean, people are also confused. 
And I, I'm curious between the gaslighting, the real and fake information, you know, where do you go for information when you're being fed conflicting stories? And I, I'm just curious, what should we, the American public, believe? Well, I think that's the problem is that we're all looking for some sort of truth. And like, there kind of sort of isn't any. Like I was on Fox and they were like, well, are the Dems going to stack the courts? Like we need to know. And I said, I don't think they know. Like I, I think there's 20 days and we're trying to confirm a justice and she doesn't reflect the American public. And, you know, does Graham have COVID? Should he even be showing up or is he going to suddenly get sick and then he's not going to be able to show up for the hearing? So who knows if she's going to get confirmed? Like, it's like, don't ask me what like birthday cake I want nine months out. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't know yet. I don't know what I want to do for my birthday in nine months. I don't know yet. I don't think they know if they are going to try slash want to stack the courts. Is it something that they've considered? I'm sh- yeah, obviously, as has like just throwing in the towel and fleeing Canada. You know what I mean? Like all options are on the table for everybody. And so I think we as a public have to stop looking for like what's in fact true. And because news, I say this all the time, I said it in my book, but like news is the first draft of history. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I think we are allowed to be in a place where we spin in a bit of circles and I think the most important exercise we can do right now is asking really smart questions, right? So it's like, obviously there's things like, well, are COVID tests negative or positive? And like, we all know that there's like false negatives and false positives and like kind of no one knows. Everyone's, the people who know the most are doing their best best-ist. And so I think this idea of like, COVID, like no one actually knows. And we have to stop being so committed to the truth, like finding the exactness because the exactness actually forces us into the binary. And so I say that as we head into counting ballots for a democracy to decide who becomes um, the commander in chief of our country. And yes, I'm like, well, there's going to be an exact amount of people who voted for Donald Trump, and there's going to be an exact amount of people who voted for Joe Biden. But the truth is, is we're going to get really, 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 really close to the truth and also probably not know that exact answer. Like one of my cousins texted me today, a photo of her mail-in ballot in New Jersey, and she spilled coffee on it. And she said, what do I do? Do I have to go get a new mail-in ballot? And we were, I was stunning the picture because she's in New Jersey. And it's like a little bit of a schmudge, but like not really. Like if it was destroyed, I'd be like, get your tush to the county office right now. But it's a little bit like, I actually think it could pass. Like, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but I appreciate you being so concerned. And whether or not she goes to get a new one or not, my hunch is she's probably not. And I think my hunch is like, that's okay. But we could be totally wrong that any food stain on a ballot could absolutely disqualify it. And, um, and like, that would be the end of that. And then you would never know what Hannah voted for, who Hannah voted for. And so like, we're never gonna, there's a little bit of grayness on every margin. And so like chasing pure truth, like haven't our religions and science both told us that's an impossibility. 
So as you're like, where do we go to find the truth? I, I, I follow friends on social media who also follow friends that they trust, right? Like we have a mutual friend in common, Stacy. If Stacy texts us both and is like, there's an elephant in my apartment, you and I are both going to be like, oh my God, there's an elephant in Stacy's apartment. You know what I mean? Like there's a level of like vetting that my friends vet, right? But I also can like flip through the major news networks and call BS on all of them. And it's almost like, you know, I don't need to be a climate scientist to walk out of my house in Philadelphia and look up at the sun and see smoke from the California fires. Like, you know, I don't, we are so consumed with like needing hardcore facts. Like even my best friend, she went through the most horrific experience of any parent, which is um, her seven-year-old son was diagnosed with stage four neuroblastoma. And he was at one of the top pediatric cancer awards in the world. Mm. And they were still guessing the best chemo cocktail. Mm. He came out on the other side. He's in remission now and doing well, but like it was, it's all still a best guess. Right. Right. And so to me, I'm like, I rely on my intuition. Mm -hmm. I rely, you know, even for the treating of the pediatric cancer, we were like doing crystals and we were doing hardcore chemo and we were like calling in favors to gurus in India and we were walking around the building backwards four times. Like we're doing it all and we're just going to find our way through it knowing we never get to it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great answer. I think, I think the, the issue is also, it's, but it's, it's all the re- the rhetoric that's so divisive. Right. But and- I think people know that. Yeah. I think people can see that. Yeah. I think people can call BS on that. I can do it on my side a bit. You're like, like a rock star. I mean, I watch you on Fox. I'm like, wow. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> you're just so great. Thank I mean, you. I were just talking about it yesterday. We're like, she's such a badass. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so sweet of you to say. Um, I, I don't know. I a little bit like call BS. Like, I, like, I I wish Kamala Harris answered the SCOTUS question the same way I did when she was on the debate stage with Pence, which is like, I don't know. Stop asking me. But of course it's on the table as is everything, you know, like her like pivot is a little bit like, well, we know you're dancing there, you know? And, and to me, it's like, you know, when your kid didn't brush their teeth, you don't actually have to go up and be like, open your mouth. Let me smell your breath. You know what I mean? Like, you know, And so I think we have to get back to that like species instinct of ours, which says that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you on, on all of this. I'm just curious in terms of like the headlines. Okay. For let's say a headline, just for people who are out there listening, who are kind of on the fence, maybe they, they don't know how to trust their intuition like we do, you know? Maybe they're just like, I need some facts. I need like a headline for Biden and I need a headline for Trump. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of break it down for that in that in that way for people? Yeah. I mean, the headline for Trump is I'm not willing to listen to anybody, even the experts, right? Even if they're going to tell me something I don't want to hear. That's the real grace of a leader, which is when someone's like, listen, 
Yeah. Screwed up the economy, you know, like whatever it is, right? Like I'll never forget. And I, it's surprising to me that it's coming back into my mind, but it is, is Bill Clinton has said many times that his greatest disappointment and aside from all the personal stuff, but his greatest disappointment as a, you know, leader, foreign policy leader is how he didn't handle Rwanda and what he didn't do to save so many innocent lives. And I say, I use that example, recognizing that like a single life lost unnecessarily, you know, carries the weight of the world. And so I'm going to sort of flippantly say there, you know, there was millions of people who died um, in this example, but like the fact that he's like, I really messed that up mm-hmm. and having the humility and carrying that weight. Like I've seen him say it a couple times. I'm telling you, it keeps him up at night. Oh, like that haunts him at 3 a.m. I'm sure of it. Um, and so being able to like say, I'm not doing this right. Like Trump isn't capable of that. And I, my headline is like, I just need a leader who is movable. I need someone who is willing to try, listen and move. I don't care if they don't not move, but they have to say like, come, let me see the statistics. Let me see the best data the best thinking data at the moment and then be willing to move. Like it's one thing I love about Biden is Biden's moved on his climate policy like four times in the past year. Mm. I need someone who can move. I need a former AG and DA who can raise her hand and be like, you know what? I was, I did not handle the relationship between law enforcement and the community. Well, in Northern California, like Kamala has and said, and I can do better. Mm. I need someone like, Biden to say, I've also screwed up in these kinds of places and policy. And I've, I've overstepped my bounds when it comes to women, right? Like I need, I need someone to show up with that level of humility because God knows I'm not like, you know, my, my faults are not what any of theirs look like. They're just different. And so for me, like Trump, the headline for Trump is he's not movable on anything. He's not willing to listen. Hmm. He's not willing to accept defeat. He literally said that it was his idea to give him certain kinds of COVID medicine. And it was him that's responsible for the COVID medicine being developed. Like, I don't know. I don't think there's any Trumpers that believe that Mr. Donald Trump knows a single item on the, on the periodic table. Like I don't, yeah. there's no way he does. Um, and then for Biden, it's just like, I just want someone who's movable. Yeah. I think like, that's my big note to them is like, Trump's not movable and Biden is, mm-hmm. and everyone should, has to constantly be movable. Yes. Is that the headline you were looking yeah, for? No, it's perfect. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, I have a, a dear friend in California who is a school teacher. And I remember when you and I first spoke, that was your, you said that was your, you know, brightest moment in your career was being a school teacher. And she and I were chatting recently and she said, you know, I don't know what to tell, you know, what do we tell our kids about what's going on right now in this country? What, what's the message? Like, what do we tell our children? Um, what I told my kids, and this is the only analogy that I can offer, is my daughter, who is five and a half, has some really, for most of her life, she's had really uncomfortable growing pains in her knees. And they wake her up at night once a quarter. 
Um, they're also her like go-to excuse for not wanting to go to sleep. But when I, when we talk about like the turmoil and, you know, I'm delivering a five and a half year old age appropriate content. And I think there's probably 13 year old age appropriate content too, that I say, you know how like you're growing and your knees hurt. Well, like it's the same thing that's happening with all of us. Our hearts are growing bigger and it's just eking itself out. It's eking itself bigger. Um, and it's a good thing. And now, you know, you're going to be able to reach the basketball hoop and we're going to be able to reach, I don't know, whatever I make up in that minute. So I just think there's like, there's that because that's one thing that I do know, like talk about knowing versus believing. It is one thing that I happen to know, right? Like I know we are getting bigger in our capacity to absorb each other's desires pains, ambitions, wishes, take care of communities and the planets in ways that are different. I think the outstanding question for me is like, well, is this going to take an election cycle or is this going to take 50 years? Because we've seen what humans can do to humans and it's pretty horrific. And like, we could be on the precipice of that, or we could lean back and be like, no, we're not going to fall off that cliff. We're going to make a hard left and we're going to like look in the mirror and do the work that we have to. So I think the outstanding question is like for us adults is what direction do we want to go? I I can tell you the story. I can tell you the end of the story only because I can, I've studied history mm-hmm. and you don't even have to study history. Just like Google what's happening in Belarus right now. That's all you have to do. What's happening in Belarus right now? All you have to do. And those are like people who are just like us. Like there's no other there. They all have PhDs and rain showers in their showers and Instagram feeds. And, you know, they're in love with you. Like there's no other. There's no, there was no broken country there. (laughs) There was a country um, that, had an identity crisis and a dictator took over. Mm-hmm. And um, that's exactly where we are. Yeah. So let's say Trump wins and mm-hmm. there is uh, not a peaceful transfer of power. What A, what does that look like? And B, the American psyche. Where, where, where are we headed? I'll work backward. I think Americans in general are shocked that we're where we are because we've lived in such a bubble for 50 years, 60 years that most of us are like, wait, what do you mean? I'm not always going to be able to get my Ziploc, but what do you mean? Like, of course the grocery store is always going to have like a mountain of red apples. Mm. Like, no, you actually it can get way worse than this. And there's nothing that makes America less at risk than any other spot in the whole entire world. Um, and so I think the psyche is probably getting to this. I think the American psyche is like, Oh, maybe we're more vulnerable than we thought. And I think that's a really, I think that's a helpful new knowing. Um, and then what was the first and second? It was like, what do if, we do? If, if we don't have a peaceful transfer of power. 
if Trump wins. Well, so my concern is not actually with whether or not 45 will leave the Oval Office, because if the votes in our, if the votes say that he lost, he will be removed. My concern is like the guy down the street who wants to be a proud boy or the guy down the street who's like, let me drink out of my mug that says liberal tears on it and like, let me go harass the Jewish family in the cul-de-sac. Like, those are the things that are more concerning to me. That's where danger lies. And that's where everybody in the cul-de-sac is responsible for him and calling him in. And I am going to assume that it's going to be a male because it's something like 87% of the people that cause harm, that are wielding guns, that did it are like men, they're white men. It's like, that's a hardcore number. Again, there's always gray. So like plus or minus five points, I don't care what direction, but like it's primarily white men. Mm. Um, and it's everyone in that coldest sex responsibility to be like, come here, let's have a barbecue. Let's have a beer. Let's talk. What, uh. How have you disappointed yourself? Yeah. Where have you, what are your regrets? How has America failed you? What can I do to help you feel more worthy and more needed? Because you're like in this with us. You can't get off this spaceship with you. can't get off this train with us. Like we, you're here. Um, and so I think that's where I see a really fascinating opportunity for us to rebuild our communities and our zip codes and our streets and our, you know, apartment buildings. Like people are going to have to like, people are realizing there's no fail safe. There's no safety net. The government's never provided it. Y'all, we had to go and find our own masks. I had to help find, I didn't know what PPE was Yeah, before COVID. Nobody did. <laughs> Nobody did. Nobody knew what PPE was before March. And March 15th, I'm trying to find PPE for my grandmother's old age home. Yeah. Wow. And the ER down the street, I like, who the hell am I? I don't know where that is, but it was 50 of my friends on this massive WhatsApp group that just got formed. And they were like, I can get here. This is how we're going to get PPE from China. Wait, I found a distributor in Mexico. Did it. I'm like, and then, yeah. And then what do you mean so- I'm the one doing this. Right. Exactly. And then who's sewing their own and making their own. And yeah. right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, okay, well we can like, let's just, figure this out. And so I think there's going to be a forced, a forced collaboration, a forced meeting of the minds. Um, and if we don't lean in with compassion, really in a really intense way, there could be some really scary one-off events, one-off events. Well, just like the governor who was, you know, the foiled attempt, which is well, I mean, that's just, you know, complete, you know, nut town. Um, what do you think is being overshadowed right now by politics in the election? I mean, is there anything that's... Uh, children being separated at the border. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... yeah. Children being separated at the border. I think the fires, I think climate. I mean, like, that was a minute. That was a minute. There's still fires burning. Um, oh God, I so many 20% of American youth that, um, are enrolled in public schools have been unaccounted for since they've gone virtual 20%, 20%, 20%. 
are unaccounted for, meaning they're just not getting on. And then a percentage of them might have fallen prey to a trafficking, you know, like are really very unaccounted for, really might be missing. I don't know what that number is, but there's 20% of kids who are not being educated. Um, I think healthcare, you know, hospitals aren't being reimbursed by the government right now because they can't pass a stimulus bill. Yes. So, so you're not going to have an ER to walk into in nine months from now. Like, oh my God. Uh huh. This is this invincibility of America that was a lie, it was a myth. Those ERs are only there because you have doctors who raise their hand to go through medical school, right? Like, nothing is handed to you on any platter. There's no deserving. Um, those are just a few things. <laughs> Very vital things. Um, wow. What will life look like to the American if, uh, if Biden wins? And what will life look like for Americans if Trump wins? In the immediacy, probably not much different, which is an uncomfortable place for most Americans, right? 57% of Americans are a $1,000 medical bill away from financial crisis. Um, so I think probably not much different. But I think if Trump wins... Within three to nine months, there's going to be a sharp fall. And I don't know what that looks like. Economists would probably have some language for it. I don't. Um, where like really doctors are out of work and really public schools are closing because they can't afford to keep their teachers there because underserved communities um, rely on more federal funding to pay for their salaries of their teachers. And if 20% of the kids aren't showing up, then that's 20% slash in the budget. So there's going to like very literally not be schools. So like, I think like that stuff's going to happen. I think in a Biden Harris world, I think as much of that gets saved as possibly can as, you know, but we're still going to have some ugly corners. They're going to have to be cut. I feel like you're about to say something and I... <laughs> no, I have nothing else to add. <laughs> is there anything you want to share with us that is that that you feel people should know right now? What I don't know if people know now, and this is where it's like, I'm really relying on my intuition here. I like spend most of my days in this closet, in this bedroom. Like I'm not leaving this property often. Right. So it's not like I'm like seeing things. Obviously I'm inundated with everything that's being offered to me virtually, but, um, uh, I, in the past, like since the first presidential debate, there's been a shift mm -hmm. and before the presidential debate, I would have told you there's no swing voters. Like there's no swing voters just to hold the line. I think the presidential debate was such an embarrassment for humanity and for people who like want to see civility in this country. It doesn't matter if you're fiscally conservative or like super liberal or whatever, that I think there's suddenly a new bucket 
of swing voters <laughs> that are probably like mostly white men. Definitely, they're mostly white people, but like white men who are like, "Wow, I was fiscally conservative, but that was horrendous, and that's not what I want." And um, and I think that I think that their ears are perked and they're ready and willing to have courageous conversations in ways that they weren't a couple weeks ago, and. I think that debate, I think his COVID diagnosis, I think his like, I'm fine. I'm not fine. Everything's fine. But I was a super spreader and COVID's a real thing, but it's not a thing. And, you know, like, I think, I think people are like, okay, I got to pay attention. What, what the hell is going on here? And I think those people are open to like being engaged with folks and having conversations and I'm getting more emails, text messages, DMs that are saying, I had a conversation with my Trump voting sister last night and it was difficult, but I got a text from her today and she said she was wrong and thank you for sending her the information and she was wrong and she apologizes. Mm -hmm. And that's not one of them because I think liberals have plenty to apologize for, myself included, obviously. I think I've been so condescending for years around how I've been talking to the right. And for that, I apologize. But I think people are actually themselves getting into very movable positions. And I think that movable crouch, in a way, is the only thing that's going to save us after the election. It's the only thing that's going to save our country. Because even if he loses, he's not going to go out. With, he's not going to be like, okay, peace out, see you in Mar-a-Lago. Like, no, that's not happening. This is going to be a thing. And the only thing that's going to save us is what's happening in our communities. And what's happening in our communities has to be the calling in of each other and has to be the having of the courageous conversation. And so I would say if there's one thing that we're not talking about, but one thing that I think everyone is very ready for is some discussion. Yeah, because it can't just be, you know, black and white. It has to, it has to be like, there has to be a middle ground and it just feels like it's just one or the other and there's nothing in between. That's right. And I think everyone's like, wait, I got to get to the in-between. I got to see the in-between. I don't necessarily have to live there, right? Like I can still be... Baptist, born again, pro-life, but I have to see the middle. Yeah. I can still be like socialist, neoliberal, da da da, but I have to see the middle. Yeah. You know, it's almost like we all we all need to just come onto our streets. You know, like we all have to just stand in our streets and see each other mm. and not sit in our bedrooms and our closets like you know, we're all doing. Right. We just need to see and be seen. I think that's a really important exercise right now. Humanity wants to help humanity. So you, if you show up and say, Hey, I'm really having a hard time understanding your perspective. Can you help me see it? Without being heard. Exactly. It is like literally my favorite thing to do. I have like the biggest smile on my face when I sit down after coming off of air and I go into like the DMS on my Instagram or the DMS on Facebook, which like always takes me like 15 minutes to find because you need a PhD to work Facebook these days. But like, like I love, I'm not really on Twitter or else that would be a really dangerous place for me. But like, 
I love when people are like, you stupid girl, you can't do math. And I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. And like, I click on it to make sure it's on a bot. And I like scroll down. And like, one was like someone who came in and called me the B word. Uh, and they were like, really Biden, Biden, you guy, or whatever it was. And I was like, I forget his name. We'll say Joe. I was like, hey, Joe, thanks so much for reaching out. I could tell he was a Cowboys fan based on his Facebook feed. And I was like, my husband's a Cowboy fan. But I grew up in Philadelphia and I'm an Eagles fan. So what what do we disagree with more on like Eagles versus Cowboys or Biden versus Trump? I hope you're well. Your daughters look lovely. Or like something like that. And like a heart emoji. It's my favorite thing to do because they come back, every single one of them, except the bots, come back and are like, I'm really sorry I lashed out at you. Just disarm them. Yeah, they just, they want to be heard. You know, the ones that are like, hashtag Trump 2020. I'm like, yo, that's not an opinion. Yeah. If you want to do opinion stuff, like, let's hear it. I'll game. But like, that's not an opinion. And let's do this. Yeah. Every single, it's like my favorite, favorite thing. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Because I feel like I'm helping them be seen or something. And this is not work for everyone. Like this is not where, this is the work of like white privileged women have to go and deal with their like white asshole men right now. Um, And, and recognizing some other people don't want to do it and might have too much trauma around this kind of work, but it, there's a surprising response from everybody. They're all like in it to have the conversation. And it never it's never about policy. You know, if they're like one guy was like, um, he posted something on my Brianna Taylor post. It was like, but she shot the cops. And I wrote back, I'm like, actually, I don't think that's what happens. And you know, here, here's what I think happened. Hmm. And he was like, but that's, but look at this video. And I clicked on the video and it was like a propaganda piece. I mean, it was really well done. And it was like of her photoshopped holding all these like AK-47s. And again, we'll call him Joe. And I was not the same Joe. And I was like, Joe, that's not her. Wow. And he's like, oh, it's not. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure it's not. Like, in fact, I know it's not, right? Like, I even said, like, I'm pretty sure it's not. Like, just showing my, like, some level of humility and vulnerability. Of course, I wanted to be like, what the f- is the matter with you? Of course, I said her. And then I'm like, you, this is what, this is my understanding of the TikTok of that event. But yeah. that's not the question. That's not the issue. The issue is law enforcement's relationship with people of color. That's what we have to talk about. Yes. That's what this whole situation is pushing to the surface. This, what we're pushing to the surface is the state of women of color in our country, you know? And he's like, oh, because he wants to naturally boil it down to like who shot at the door first, right. Brianna, Brianna's boyfriend or the cops. That's not what the issue is. That's not what the subject is. No, it's not. It's not. Like I even found it like there's some turmoil in my family right now. It's just because it's all just so tense and there was like a, he said, she said, they said, this is the, da, 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 da. and I was like, oh, it's not about who said what, when. Yeah. This is about like birth order. <laughs> this is about who's in control of the family beach house. This is, this is not about what you think it's about. It's so much deeper. It's always so much deeper. And listen, like, 
that shit we don't really deal with. Like we don't resolve. We just have to see it and put it on the table and be like, oh, there's that thing rearing its head. That was Jenna Arnold. Thank you so much for joining us. And please don't forget to subscribe to What Do You Believe podcast.